Hello folks, my name is Noah Ben Shia, and we are very excited to bring you this vital and important interview podcast. We are broadcasting today from the Innovations and in Behavioral Healthcare Conference hosted by Foundations Recovery Network. What we all learn in life is that wisdom is where we are wise enough to find it. I think you will find it here. Please lend this conversation an open mind, a warm heart, and a few moments of your time. Thank you. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Here in Nashville, Tennessee, Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare Conference, sponsored by Foundations Recovery Network. Thanks for joining us today on Sober Guy Radio. We're talking with Dr. Luis Stanger. Dr. Stanger, how are you doing today? Oh, I am so excited to be here with the Sober Guy <laughs> here in this beautiful music city, Nashville. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, it's pretty awesome. This is my first time here myself. And uh, I, I mean, 20 to 50 bands in country music playing all down. It's pretty, pretty darn cool. It is an amazing city. It's an amazing place to talk about health care and yes. healing. Yeah, absolutely. And now, uh, like myself, you're also from California, so we're kind of trying to adjust to that time change, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, really? Is there a time change? My God. Yeah. We're, we're up in the middle of the night, really? Oh, yeah. Talking? Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's been a bit crazy, but I'm yes. super glad to be here, and uh, thanks for joining us today. And why don't you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, my goodness. Well, I've been an author, uh, professor in Southern California, both at San Diego State School of Social Work, director of alcohol and other drug services at the University of San Diego, had about $5 million of uh, Department of Education or NIH and IAAA grants. And those were really public health harm reduction grants when you take a look at it. My passion has always been working with families Mm. and always helping families change the dynamics of um, their family system and their loved ones. Because I have a book that just came up, it's called Falling Up, a a memoir of renewal, and there's a chapter and it says, nothing changes till something changes. And in 97% of the time that I work, nothing changes until family changes, um, how they act, how they interact, and what help they can offer to their loved one who might be experiencing substance abuse or mental health disorders. Yeah, and you bring that up and it's such an important topic of the ripple effects from from an individual who is suffering from addiction or any type of substance abuse, um, the effects of that that go throughout the family is huge. So how, how do you approach that? Well, I think it's really important to take a look at first family mapping. Yeah. You know, no, I've never met anybody in my life who said, gee, you know what I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> Woo! I want to have a mental health or substance abuse yeah. problem. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. If you take a look, I do a lot of family mapping, and what you learn is there's all types of inter- intergenerational mental health, substance abuse, sudden death, suicide, different types of trauma. And then we take a look at like what what is happening with your loved one. What was really special about your loved one? Because when people call me, their hope is gone. People don't call me when they're happy. They call me after they've done nagging, pleading, begging, scolding, um, 
they're at their sort of wits end yeah. and they can't imagine that their loved one will be the person that they want them to be and yeah. they've done all bunch of things sometimes to help facilitate the alcohol or other drug abuse the mental health and so they're calling me at their wits end and what I ask them is can we imagine possibility Imagine that we're in solution. Imagine that he or she can be the person they're meant to be. Imagine that you can be the people that you're meant to be, and we'll find solution together. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting point as well when you when you talk about. Um, well, do you deal with uh, with uh, with adolescent with younger people too, or what, what's your main? So my main age my, group. My main age. I deal a lot with families and parents, but I'm really dealing a lot with seventeen. To 77, 87. With respect to younger people, I do a lot of public health um, presentations. So yeah. on uh, digital addiction, I just have an article coming out oh, that wow. in ca- in campus recovery this month that dealt with that about what we kind of do. But in terms of actual interventions, I've always been um, really with the 17, 18 to 77 year old, um, not not the adolescent. Um, Because I think there's a lot of public health education that can be done with families. And families have ultimate power. Because if you're under the age of 18, in truth, what we need to do is empower parents to be parents. And not be frightened. Because Johnny can't go anywhere, really. Um, Is he really going to go live at Sally's house or Johnny's house? And I think families get really distorted and scared and frightened that they don't remember that this kid can either go get help, they can set healthy boundaries, or they um, can go to on the street, and they don't want their kids on the street. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be so tough because yeah. you're kind of caught, and it's, it's almost a double-edged sword. Like you were saying, you you tried scolding and getting getting upset and um, you know crying, all, all those different emotions, but really, it takes the person to want to to want to get the help too so how do you deal with that with someone who's young who doesn't even really know themselves well you, you know? help create a contained unit or scaffolding which allows people to see that this might be a healthy choice and you can you really yeah. and you also cut out all the other options and then you also take a look and you say you know i don't think anyone ever decided that that's what they want to do yeah and when you're in the midst of the disease, you've got the disease talking. And you also have to work with the family or the loved ones or the brothers yeah. and sisters so that they change. They can become those people that help set those boundaries because they love and care for them, but they're loving yeah. in a different way. So, so well, if, if, there, if there was a parent out there listening right now, let's say, and they're, and they're going through exactly this scenario where they just they don't know what to do, they're, like you said, they call you when, when their hope is gone. What kind of advice would you give to, to a parent struggling with that right now? Well, I invite them to call a professional, number one. Sure. I think it's really important because people can't really do it. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the if trees. That beat this so year, I encourage them the to talk to now. a local professional. They can certainly reach out and call me at 619-507-1699. Check out my website. Here. I have a wonderful, robust thing. But know that there is help available and there's solutions. That they don't have to be afraid yes. of their young one who knocked a hole in the wall or 
the young girl who didn't st- who stayed out all night and then she came home at three uh, at maybe ten in the morning, but her clothes were sort of tattered or they don't know where she is. There are ways in which we can help move someone to change and help them also change. Yeah, yeah. It's a I, well and. Talking about this with with you brings up some uh, just some thoughts and even some emotions for me. I told you before we started that I have two young kids, and mine are only six and two right now. But I try to, well, I don't want to. But if I think about it and putting myself in those shoes later on down the road, I mean, it's just got to be heart wrenching at times to have to deal with something that. Uh, so, prayers and thoughts to all those parents out there that are actually going through something like that. And uh, I think you bring up another certain point though. Even though we feel like there's not hope sometimes, I'm a firm believer that there's always hope, even if there's just a little a little tiny bit left in there, you know? And so maybe there's something to hold on to for change. Well, I think you have to always, um, I wrote a poem, I, you can see on my website, it's called uh-huh. Imagination. Uh-huh. But you've got to imagine that um, you're going to have a sleepful night. Imagine yeah. that your young man is going to be that person that they're meant to be. Imagine that your money's not missing anymore. That um, the phone you gave is no longer a GPS to a drug dealer, but it's a GPS to call home. Imagine that the DUI or the you know that these things yeah. can change. They're all within possibility, but you also have to do work in order to help be part of that change. Yeah, the power of thought. The power, but also the power of possibility, but the power of actually doing it. I always give families no-fault insurance. They did the best that they could do with the resources they had, and that was once given to me, and now you can do things a little bit differently. Let's try doing, let's find out what you're doing. Let's honor you, but let's try doing things a little differently because they haven't yeah. been working. Yeah, sure. So what, what do you love most about, about your work? Like what's, what's one of the time, I'm sure there's a few, what's one thing that really stands out to you that you really, really in, enjoy and you're really passionate about in the work you do? I'm passionate about seeing people grow, change, and become the people that they're meant to be. Hmm. Um, I'm passionate about, um, I'll tell about a mother, I'm, when I first met her, she, her son had been in maybe seven treatment centers, mm-hmm. and he had started as a very young boy. And she would cry and cry and cry, and she would cry so hard that her eyes crusted over shut, and she couldn't even breathe. She'd go, she would go, <gasps> like that, and she'd be gasping for breath. And we helped this family move to change. We also invited them to some have long-term sort of coaching and different stuff like this. And today... That person is, she becomes a woman. We also let her explore her wounded family. Her mother had mental health problems. Her father was abusive. There was alcoholism and chemical dependency in the family of origin. But today, somehow or other, she let go. And in the process of letting go, this young man, who had some external motivators, some legal cases, is becoming the man he wants to be. He has two years sobriety. And he also is working in the field. To me, that's the gift that you give, and that keeps giving. Yeah. I'm also about passionate about writing, and also I just wrote a book, and sharing um, my thoughts with others and learning from other people. I think learning is really the most important thing I'm passionate sure. about, because I learn. Every time I meet someone, I learn from them. Yeah. I know. I, I, I think I was talking a, a bit about this yesterday. I, I feel... I feel that too. When it, when I stop learning, then I think it's time for me to just die. Like after that, you know, I want to learn my whole. I want to learn the whole time. You know, like all. I'm always trying to learn something new. 
and, and you, I think you always start where the client is or where the person is that calls you because you may have a lot of experience, you may have a lot of degrees next to your name, yeah. but really, the most important thing is in the seven seconds we just met, you actually decided whether or not you could work with me. Hmm. And people over the phone do the same thing. Did I listen? Was I hearing you? Did I honor you? Question Did I respect you? Yeah. And then, how can I help you? We are in solution together. Sure, sure. Oh, I just have a couple more quick questions for you. I just want to touch on one thing. The San Diego Business Journal listed you as one of the top 10 women who mean business. I love that. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I think it's because I'm a little tough. I, think it, <laughs> I love it. I think at the time it was because in those days it was unusual for faculty get such large grants in alcohol and other drug um, prevention and the last one I did was a family based uh, uh, parent based intervention to reduce high risk problematic drinking I think people that know me I'm really soft and if you saw me I'm not really big a um, little tiny but you know in those moments I'm great in crisis I've worked in the area of sudden death grief and loss with the widows of 9-11. Oh, wow. um, I've done interventions, um, complicated ones for over 30 years. And in those crutches, all of a sudden, I'm just this little tough, yeah, soft but tough. Yeah, and, and, and very nice and respectful. It's been yeah. really great to talk to you. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's wonderful to talk yeah. to you. And so wonderful what you're doing, how you're Thank reaching you. out through the media to help change people's lives yeah. and to hear other people's voices. So let me applaud you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. Coming to you at Innovations in Behavioral Health Care Conference, Nashville, Tennessee. Peace, love, respect, keep your blood clean.